scripture this morning comes to us from the book of Matthew, the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 7, starting with verse 24. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, or as always, it's printed on the cover of your bulletin. As you're able, if you would, please stand in honor of the reading of the Gospel. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated, and let us pray. Now, dear Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I've mentioned before, uh, I'm a creature of habit, creature of routine, and my Sunday morning routine has been consistent for years now. Uh, I get up, try to get into the office fairly early on a Sunday morning, spend a little time in prayer, a uh, little time looking over the sermon, and at about 7 o'clock, uh, I will put everything down and go have breakfast at the Waffle House. I've done that now in three different towns over about 15 years. Uh, just sit at the Waffle House on a Sunday morning, uh, glance through the Sunday paper, and part of that is just I enjoy watching people at the Waffle House. The Waffle House is a great place to observe humanity. Uh, so every Sunday morning, about 7 to 7.30, uh, I usually leave about 7.30 to come back, you can find me at the Waffle House. And you meet the most interesting people and strike up the most interesting conversations. Well, years ago, on a Sunday morning, I was at the Waffle House, and I happened to slightly overhear a conversation between two waitresses. One was roughly my age. Another one was considerably younger. And they started this conversation, and so I exercised my pastoral prerogative and eavesdropped on their conversation. Uh, the younger one was holding up her hand, showing a ring, and she said, I don't know what he wants. He gave me a promise ring, but he won't give me an engagement ring. I don't know what he wants. He wanted to move in. I let him move in. He wanted me to get another job. I got another job. I want to talk about getting married, but he won't. I don't know what he wants. And I wanted to say, I have an idea. <laughs> I think I can help you. Uh, I, I stayed quiet, but I worried about my friend, the Waffle House waitress, that maybe she wasn't making the best decisions for her future. And at one time or another, most of us have made decisions that weren't necessarily in the best interest of our own future, right? We do things, and what we realize is when you make bad decisions, there's always consequences, right? There's always consequences when we make a bad decision. How many of the regrets that you have today 
or the frustrations that you have today, if we're honest, we know that they really are simply the consequences of a decision we made yesterday. If there was only a way to make sure that we made <clears throat> excuse me, better decisions today, if there was something, anything, one thing that we could either know, practice, remember, that would help us to make better decisions. Well, the good news is there is such a thing, one thing, that if we always put it in practice, we would be guaranteed to make better decisions overall. That one thing, and we've sung about it already, and it was in our call to worship, wisdom, immortal, invisible, God only wise. If we could somehow capture that wisdom of God, capture wisdom, and put it into practice, how much better would our decisions be? How much more would we make wise decisions rather than foolish decisions? So what is wisdom? If it's so important, if it can make such a difference, what is it? We kind of know it when we see it, right? You can see it in Jesus' parable. You can also see it missing in Jesus' parable. Because the fellow who had wisdom made a wise decision, but the person without wisdom made a foolish decision. It's a great parable we'll look at it in a minute. But there's even a song, right? There's a children's song. You know the children's song? The wise man built his house upon the rock. You know that? The wise man built his house upon the rock. Can you sing that? The wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rains come tumbling down. Now, <clears throat> you can do the motions too, right? The rains came down and the floods came up. Bobby Hamill, you're not doing motions, man. Rains came down and the floods came up. Sing, the rains came down and the floods came up, and the house on the rock stood firm. But there's a second verse, and I know you're all excited about that, all right? <laughs> the foolish man built his house upon the sand, foolish man built his house upon the sand. Sing, the foolish man built his house upon the sand and the rains came tumbling down. You're getting it. The rain came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the house on the sand went splat. Splat. The wise man built this house and it stood firm. The foolish man built this house and it went splat. Jesus is telling this parable. It's the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. The last, the four verses that I read from Matthew chapter 7 are the final four verses that Jesus speaks in the Sermon on the Mount. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man. Be like a wise man who builds his house on rock. So he presents a couple of options. There's the person who is wise, and there's the person who is foolish. Which one do you want to be? I know which one I want to be. And if I ever, if I ever had any doubts, they were all taken away. In, of all places, the Caribbean. Can you believe that? It was Susan's grandparents' 60th wedding anniversary. And for their 60th wedding anniversary, they wanted the entire family to go on a cruise to the Caribbean 
when you've been married 60 years, you pretty much get what you want at that point, right? So we all went on a cruise to the Caribbean. We had a great time. And we're on one of those islands on this little bus tour, and they had just recently been hit with a hurricane. And our God was saying, yes, there, you know, there was this place here, there was this structure there, this business here, that home there, and the hurricane took them all out. But there was one house that stood tall, right at the water, and it was built like what, it honestly looked like it was built on one big, solid rock. It was an incredible image Surrounded by devastation, one house still standing. And I thought about this parable. And I thought, boy, if I had time to snap a picture of that, that image speaks volumes. If I could snap a picture of that, I would never have to preach on that text again. All I would have to do is show the picture to get the point across. But unfortunately for you, I didn't get the picture, so you have to listen to the sermon. Okay. Uh, Jesus said, there's a wise man and a foolish man. So what is wisdom? What is wisdom? My aunt and uncle, their preacher, wrote a book on wisdom. And this was his definition. He said, wisdom is what is true and right, combined with good judgment. What is true and right, combined with good judgment. So if it's so important, where do we find it? How do we find how to make wise decisions? Well, there is a place we can go. It is within arm's reach of you at this moment. Because pretty much everyone is in arm's reach of a pew Bible. The Bible as a whole is filled with wisdom. But in particular, there's a one book. The book of Proverbs in the middle of the Old Testament is filled with wisdom. Now, are Proverbs guarantees? Do they promise that if you do A, B will always happen? No, they don't. What they are are practical guides to how life usually works. You read a proverb and you go, yeah, that's how life usually works. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 4 says this, the lazy person does not plow in season. Harvest comes and there is nothing to be found. The short version of that is this, if you don't work, you don't eat, right? If, you're, if you don't work, you don't eat. That's how life usually works. There are consequences to our actions. If you don't work, you don't eat. If you build your house on sand, it probably won't stay there very long. Sometimes we do something, and in the short term, it makes sense. It's appealing. It's attractive. But in the long run, it bears out to be foolish. A lot of times we go for that short-term Boy, this seems good. Boy, this feels good. Without stopping to say, but is it wise? Is it wise over the long haul? Proverbs, which is a book filled with wisdom, talks about the importance of wisdom. This is chapter 4. Listen, children, to a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, and my mother's favorite, he taught me and said to me, let your words, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, her being wisdom. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. 
The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever else you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a fair garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Get wisdom. Get wisdom. It's amazing what happens when you choose foolishness over wisdom. When you choose short-term ease over long-term wisdom. My father-in-law just got a new car. You know why my father-in-law just got a new car? Some of you want to ask me why my father-in-law just got a new car? Thank you so much. I'm glad you asked. Because his old car was a Volkswagen. You read anything lately about Volkswagen? Volkswagen had to design in their cars. You know, here you have to pass, in most major cities, you have to pass an emissions test for air quality. Volkswagen found a way around the emissions test. It would pass the test, but it actually did not keep the air clean. The only time that part of the car worked was when it was tested. The rest of the time it didn't work. So it passed the test. It was a cheaper way for them to go. But they got caught. The first news report said as many as 400,000 cars in the U.S. alone had this design. The cheap way. The foolish way. I kept reading as I was looking at the story recently. 400,000 cars in the U.S. at least it said. Volkswagen finally came out and said okay there may, worldwide there may be some more than that. Maybe as many as 11 million. They have bought back a lot of cars recently. In the short run, probably seemed like a good idea to cut cost. But over the long haul, it cost them so much more. Sometimes we make decisions that in the moment seem quick and easy. But they have consequences in the long run. I read a story about a guy in Texas. Uh, and was driving an old car. The dome light didn't work. He stopped to get gas, or I mean, he ran out of gas on the side of the road one night. So he had to leave his car, walk to a gas station, get a uh, gas tank, come back, put that gas in his car. He tossed the gas can in the back of his car, uh, was driving along, it took a turn a little too quickly going to return the can, and he thought he heard it tip over. Well, again, his dome light was out. He carried a flashlight in the trunk, but he's thinking, oh man, I don't want to spark the car get out, go get the trunk, there's got to be a quicker way. Oh yeah, in my pocket I have a lighter. Third degree burns later, he realized it might have been quicker, it was not easier. In the long run, it was foolish, it was not wise. How would we make different decisions if we stopped and asked ourselves, is this, over the long haul, the wise thing to do? I want a new car. I'd, I'd love a new car. Some days that is a wise decision. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes we buy them, and they, it's great that first month having a new car, and then that payment comes due. And we realize this was not as wise as we thought. Sometimes people get tired of their house, and they buy a new house. And it, it seems like a good idea in the moment, but over the long haul, it's not a wise 
decision. Sometimes it is, but it's important to stop and ask the question to make sure this is the decision we want to make over the long haul. Because foolish decisions always have consequences, right? One of the reasons, not, certainly not the only reason, but one of the reasons we, are, we pursue wisdom is because foolish decisions always have consequences. I learned this at a young age, actually many times over, if I'm honest with you. But one time in particular, our family had gone to Florida on vacation. You know, have you ever done those beach trips uh, with the whole family? You go down, you spend some time on the beach, you come back to the hotel and you play in the pool. You go back to the beach, you come back to the pool. I had come back to the pool and all the attention was focused on the shallow end of the pool. So it kind of got my attention as a kid. And what I found out was that there were some teenage boys, all older than me, going down the sliding board into the pool on their feet. Kind of like surfing down the sliding board, okay? Uh, they'd get to the top, get themselves balanced, slide down. When they ran out of sliding board for just a moment, they're like suspended in the air. It was the coolest thing. And then they hit the water, and then they jumped back up, and all the girls would cheer. I thought, well, how cool is that? Then I thought, I bet I could do that. Let me tell you, that was a foolish thought. Uh, it would have been helpful for me to stop and say, but is this a wise course of action for me? But I did not ask that question. Instead, I climbed the ladder, got to the top, and I stood there and I thought about what I had seen them do, and I got ready. And whereas they made it all the way to the bottom on their feet, I made it about eight inches. And then my feet kept going, but the rest of me did not. And I came down and hit my head on the sliding board, knocking myself out cold. Have I mentioned that this was a foolish decision? So the rest of the story that I'm relating, I got secondhand. I actually don't recall it, all right? Apparently, I went on down, landed in the water, was face down, unconscious in the water, and everybody thought I was kidding. They thought, you know, okay, well, he fell, so he's just kind of making a joke out of it. But I was not kidding. Uh, finally, somebody pulled me out as I'm coughing up half the pool because I was halfway drowned because those were the consequences to a very, very foolish decision. But I thought next time, no, just kidding, I really didn't do that. <laughs> Actually, it only took me one time of nearly killing myself to realize that was not my best plan. Uh, there are always consequences to our foolish decisions. How would life be different if we stopped and said, but is this really the wise thing to do? I'm sure the fellow who built his house on the sand thought, it's cheaper, it's quicker, what a great idea. But then the rains came down and the floods came up and the house on the sand went splat. You ever had a house on the sand that went splat? Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some wise decisions we can make. We're going to be spending some time in the book of Proverbs. The scripture for the sermon, the scripture on the bulletin, might, necessar might not necessarily be from Proverbs, but I promise you we'll sprinkle a lot of Proverbs in and through as we talk about what are some wise decisions we can make. And how do we, when we are forced with a decision, when we face a decision, how do we make sure that for the long term, we're making a wise one? One that will place ourselves, not necessarily in what's quick and easy and fun in the moment, but what places us in the center of the will of God. Uh, about 30 years ago, as I was working on this, I remembered a song 
Amy Grant sang about 30 years ago called Wise Up. Let me, I want to ask you to sing again, uh, but I will read some song lyrics to you. Got myself in this situation I'm not sure about. Climbing in where there's temptation, can I get back out? I never quite find the answer, the one I want to hear, the one that justifies my action and says the coast is clear. Something on the outside says to jump on in. Something on the inside is telling me again. You better wise up. Better think twice. Never leave room for compromise. Better wise up. Better get smart. Use your head to guard your heart. It's going to get rough, so you're better wise up. Take a look at your intentions when you have to choose. Could it be that apprehension might be telling you to back off now is better, so take your heart and run, but get your thoughts together before they come undone. You're better wise up. For the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about wisdom. And believe me when I tell you, wisdom is better than knocking yourself out on a sliding board. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, speak to us through your word. Speak to us in our spirits. Speak to us through the counsel of wiser friends. Speak to us, Lord, to help us make decisions that place us in your will. Decisions that we will not regret. Decisions on which we will look back and say, thank you, Lord, for your wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Our closing hymn